0: We recorded this podcast before the COVID-19 pandemic. Of course, that pandemic changed many business conditions, but most of the facts remain the same, and the story is as interesting as ever. Hello, and welcome to the B Corp Effect. I'm Craig Ryan from the Business Development Bank of Canada, DDC, and I'm here today with my wonderful colleague and co-host, Carla Heim. Hi, Carla.
1: Hello, everyone.
0: Today, we have two terrific guests uh, that we're interviewing as part of our ongoing series of interviews with B Corp entrepreneurs from across Canada. Today's podcast is uh, unusually for us a love story between both two people and two people and a place. That place is a farm in Fredericbourg in the eastern townships of Quebec, south of Montreal near the Vermont border. The people are Stacy and Philip. Welcome, Stacy and Philip. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Stacy and Philip both hail from farming families, hers cattle, his apples. And so they are uh, hybrids, if you will, entrepreneur-farmers or farmer-entrepreneurs. Today, uh, rather than cattle and apples, they grow lots of different kinds of plants and they use organic botanical extracts to make shampoo and cream for your hair and face. A wonderful business, a solid, successful business that has grown over the past decade, uh, to I believe about a dozen employees, and you sell across Canada, are dabbling in the U.S., and are looking at exporting to other countries. So all in all, all over, a terrific success story. So again, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Let's it's do it's it.
2: wonderful to be here. Thank
0: you. Oh, wonderful. Um, so what do I get when I buy Oneka shampoo? Do I really get a product that you made from plants that you grew on your farm and that you turned into shampoo? Is there any thing
3: more to it than that? Or is that it? There's a lot more to it than that. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great setup. (laughs) Um, So Oneka is really about uh, providing a combination of um, high-performing products. And I say that because sometimes natural products do not perform to the level that people expect. Um, Natural ingredients, uh, so good for you, good for the environment. Ultimately, the products go into water in most Mm -hmm. cases. Uh, So the biodegradability of products is essential. And the third one is affordability. Um, Oneka is not cheap, but we're not a luxurious product where it's, you know, uh, unaccessible. And particularly with the uh, bulk refill network that we've developed over the years, uh, meaning that people can bring their bottles back, uh, save money, save plastic. So that adds to the affordability of the products. But it's a combination of the three. Uh, of course, we're very excited about producing uh, some of the herbs, not all of them, okay. uh, at our farm. We do buy some that we can't we can't grow. Okay. Uh, you know, we don't we can't mm-hmm. uh, grow the, mm, uh, grapefruit, rosemary, you know, rosemary the grapefruit, rosemary. right? So we, we do buy a fair amount, uh, but we do grow some the the uh, native hardy plants that uh, that uh, are found uh, in abundance uh, on a farm, um, and uh, and we do. Um, uh, subcontracted production. Okay. Um, uh, so we are really taking care of the extraction of the plants, growing some of the plants, extracting the plants, and then uh, working with partners to uh, complete the cycle.
1: Mm-hmm. Wonderful. So how do your organic products meet your own needs and requirements? Were they were they developed from a personal experience? Mm.
2: Um, that's a good question. So, uh, pers- yes, it's connected to the personal experience, both Philip and I. Um, Philip has allergies to synthetic fragrances, In um, myself, um, in my family, um, eczema and psoriasis um, are, are present. And so uh, for years, I couldn't understand why using my shampoo, my, my body lotion, um, you know, my hands were burning. Um, and so with time and with the adventure growing and research, I found some connections, and so when we um, the products are really created and developed with the sensitive skin
1: in mind. With your with your organization, you went down the B Corp journey, and you became a certified B Corp. Um, what prompted you to join this movement of entrepreneurs?
3: Well, B Corp to us is a is a roadmap. It's a, it's an ideal that that never is over because you can always do more. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were first introduced to the, to the B Corp movement uh, in Vancouver in a introductory evening at Hoot Suite, uh, and then a couple of weeks later, I, I had the privilege to meet uh, one of the founders of B Corp uh, at a conference as well. Uh, and then eventually, the, the B Corp movement was reinforced from local businesses here. Uh, uh, peers in history that, that, uh, that reinforced the relevancy but also the, the, uh, the usefulness of going through that process uh, it did in, in the end take us three years to go through so um, now it, I don't think it has to take that long uh, but in our case we had a lot of stuff to structure, organize, do you want to say anything about the, like the HR?
2: Well I, for us um, I felt it helped us in the HR human resources uh, for years it was Philip and I You know, uh, that was our team. And then uh, all of a sudden with growing and we, you know, had one person and then two people and then uh, five people, you know, so it it just grew quite quickly. So to have uh, B Corp there to help us through that growth in human resources, it was um, comforting and uh, it facilitated the uh, adjustments that we needed to make. In the
0: so in yeah. seeing the questions that you would have to answer to certify in the human resources mm-hmm. section in effect you saw a roadmap of things that you could or should do. Mm-hmm. Ah, that's mm-hmm. useful, very useful. Mm-hmm. See. Now I'm interested in what you um, talk about on your website and in person the notion of permaculture.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now I googled that to learn that it's about creating systems and methods that are permanently beneficial to the environment and society. Is that the ruling ethos of Oneka? Is, is that how you think? And um, if you could just tell me a little more about why you talk about permaculture, which for me was a new word, and I think for lots of people will be new word too.
3: Yeah, the permaculture is, is usually associated to farming or farming systems. Um, it's really a way of thinking that applies to anything. Uh, so it's safe to say that it has the principles behind permaculture have influenced everything we do from the farm to the business. Uh, and and we've had the privilege of uh, hosting uh, certification courses and uh, major conferences at the farm, uh, which is really a gift because we didn't. It just kind of happened by accident. And so so
0: people from other places around from other countries. Descend on Freyligsburg in the Eastern
3: Townships right. at your farm to learn more about permaculture. In the past. It's mm-hmm. not something that's been recurring, but we've had the privilege of hosting a 600 people conference two years in a row. Wow. Uh, mm-hmm. With 52 speakers. Wow. anyway. It, it, but we're, we, we did not organize it. We hosted. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, we can't take the credit for that. Uh, it was a group called Mycelium M- 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 out of uh, um, Quebec that, that put it together. Uh and and so we, by default, were introduced to so much inspiration and, and roadmaps and principles. At the end of the day, for me, it's just common sense. Why Farming-wise, why would we go and work a wetland and drain it so we could plant corn? That's just, to me, that's not good design. You're forcing things. Um, so... It's not so much that we create systems, it's more that we co create systems and that we design um, uh, systems or even the business model that, that sits on the context of the farm. So, if, if there's nettle all over the place, naturally growing, why would I cut that out mm-hmm. and plant a, a plant that requires, like, you know, um, covers in the winter and, and requires so much energy? So, to me, it's almost about being lazy. <laughs> like, why would I work so hard? And so it's it's about shifting the work. Why don't I just instead work with the nettle and do something with it? It's there in abundance, and I have nothing to do for it. Mm-hmm. It's growing naturally. So I think it's about being sensitive and observing what the context of a a, a farm, a, a village, a business, an industry, and saying what what what's what are low hanging fruits? Like, why why do I impose my vision on this side of this business, whereas maybe there's a need that's so easily filled, and I'm just not seeing it. Yeah. So, to me, it's so you, you, <clears throat> you and your business model
0: bow to what the earth is giving you, and you'll make something with the nettles rather than insist on
3: growing mangoes in Quebec. It, it, is that it? I mean, that's an <laughs> extreme <laughs> case. <laughs> yeah. You know, we do you know we do grow calendula. It doesn't grow there, but it okay. grows super well. Mm-hmm. So so it's, so it's really about um, yes, growing mangoes. Meaning we would have to you know heat uh, greenhouses. It's just why, right? So what could we do very strongly and naturally and effortlessly and, and, and how can we add value to that from a farm standpoint all the way to, to our, our finished goods business? Like, you know, um, so I think it's about developing a sensitivity of observation and and to really get you know nature's feedback the markets feedback and uh, and and we don't pretend to be experts or masters at it it's just it's something we're, we're, we're trying and applying and consistently reminding ourselves so that at the end of the day we, we try to work as little as possible to get as much result as possible so we have the energy and the strength to actually do something real rather than always survive when you're when you're forcing nature f- nature's always gonna win so so there's, you know, whether it's a frost or a hail or, or a heat Wire. or or drought, right? Yeah. You can't beat nature. So why don't we just work with it? Why don't we just observe and see what, you know, instead of trying to change everything to water systems and... See, and yeah, see.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, you mention of uh, water, which Quebec has a fair bit of, mm-hmm. will lead us to another question.
1: I love that your self-proclaimed laziness is so forward-thinking. I think that's brilliant. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> oneka oneeka is such a striking name uh, what does it stand for? What does it mean to you?
2: So oneka is um, comes from the Mohawk language. It means water um, We had the real um, w- the real spelling of the word has an h in it. Um, we removed the h uh, for um, simplicity and pronunciation uh,
3: yeah we we um... Water is very prominent for, for us in the hair and body care industry because our bodies are mostly made of water. We're serving the the body with our products. Uh, the products are mostly made out of water, and they're ultimately going back to water. So, so water is definitely a, um, a central uh, theme and focus, um, and we're very, very concerned about uh, the the impact that we're having we are having an impact let's face it whether we're biodegradable or not doesn't make us impactless we are having an impact um, is it is soap going to water yes it breaks down so without doing any cultural appropriation because uh, we're not Mohawks ourselves um, we do have um, native uh, you know indigenous blood in, in our in our in our families so mm-hmm. um, so we feel connected to to the land and to the, the history of of here and we could have chosen a name. From you know Sanskrit or you know all sorts of traditions, but we felt that we owed it to our land and where we are, and so we wanted to, to make a connection. So we don't talk a lot about it, um, but but there's a deep meaning to. It took us quite a while to figure this out and and feel comfortable choosing that name. Mm-hmm. See, I'm I'm struck by mm-hmm. how often you uh, refer to
0: the meaning of place and culture, and it it prompts me to ask a question that I think. Any standard-issue MBA looking at your business plan would ask, what are you doing in Fredericksburg? Why would you not just up and move into the city and be selling your shampoo by the bucket on the street corner where there are far more people? What, What is the role of place in the story of Philip and Stacy and Oneka?
2: I think the end individual would have a hard time with their business plan because it doesn't exist <laughs> you heard it here,
3: folks. Uh,
2: if we go right to the beginning it was just a jump into faith Sorry, there was no business plan involved in the in the early years now we've evolved More common um, than you realize, actually. Really? Okay.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, joking aside, although it's it's ninety nine percent true, we we do in the last couple of years work on a on a yeah. more more of a structured plan. Um, but the, the link to obviously why we're in Fredericksburg is um, is mostly related to me, my family. I grew up on uh, large apple orchards right next in Dunham. and we have we've had an orchard in Fredericksburg with two other families. Um, so I grew up there I went to school there uh, and when Stacey and I were done um, traveling uh, with my hockey career we ultimately came back to the area um, and and that's where we started the business so uh, we did face choices at one point where we we were struggling and and we were thinking that our solution would be to move to a bigger center because we would get closer to people and and we actually shared this with great friends of ours who live in the city and also have a house in the country, a beautiful property. And so they know both realities. And they looked at us and said, guys, do not move to the city. It is, the country is, is your biggest advantage, uh, distinction, et cetera. And, and not that we didn't like to live there, but we thought from a business standpoint, uh, it would give us a leverage to be in the city. But it, in fact... Once we passed through that struggle, we we became very comfortable and realized that there's no way we would go anywhere. That that's the home, that's our home, the home of our children, and and clearly it'd be the home of our of our business. And uh, our our vision is to is to hire, is to employ you know 20, 30, 35 people in the village, which. In a way, revives what once was. There used to be a big insurance company that moved out, uh, you know, 20 years ago, and it it, it made the village like lively, right? Mm-hmm. So, so you know, not that we were carrying the village on our shoulders, but at the same time, we realized the impact that it has. Um, first of all, as a way of life, that's our home. Our farm is there. Our, fa- you know, that's where we live. Um, but we've we've realized through that wake up call from our friends that. That going anywhere else would be a Even massive a mistake.
2: mistake. Yeah, I feel that excitement. I feel that connection um, when somebody says, "Wow, you know that that plant uh, was grown at the farm. It was transformed uh, into a tincture, extracted, and then you know into the master formula." So I, I feel that appreciation from the consumer when they say, "Wow." Uh,
3: so th- there's really s- strong roots and. And uh, that vision has always been there. I mean, making shampoo is an accident. We didn't ever, ever plan on specifically doing that. But creating a future for the farms has always been very, very alive for us. We just didn't know how it was going to happen.
0: Thank you, Philip, And thank
3: you, Stacy, And thank you,
0: our listeners. On behalf of everyone at BDC, especially the team behind the B Corp Effect podcasts, till next time.